Hello and welcome to one of the first episodes of the Full-Time Football Podcast in quite some time. I'm Alistair Madden. McCann's decided that I was best prepared to, to present this afternoon, so we'll, we'll see how this one goes. Ah, we're uh, doing, doing a lawyer, doing a lot about court cases now. I know, <laughs> I know, but the court case is only the tip of this uh, shambolic Scottish football iceberg, McCann. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see, what we'll, we'll play it by you. We've got enough agenda that we'll, we'll work our way through. Um, there's been so much happened since the last episode, um, and I think if we'd, we'd kind of postponed the recording any longer, uh, David might have uh, exploded with, with rage. But anyway, we're here now. Uh, McCann joins me and Chris as well. How are we doing, guys? How are you, McCann? Ah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Surviving. What about you, Chris? Not too bad as well, right? Mm. Yeah, no. Lovely weather in the, the west of Scotland this afternoon. That's the, wind, the wind battering down in the rain as well. Like, McCann, you're, you're not too confident in your Wi-Fi in these weather conditions, are you? No, I'm not, I'm not too constant my Wi-Fi at the rest of times, to be fair. <laughs> but we went on to 4G and it was kind of robotic, so we're, we're just going to see how this goes. Uh, we'll, we'll play it by ear. Uh, yeah, no, so I've got down in the agenda, boys. We, we spoke briefly before we came on, but obviously we've got the league coming back in less than a month. The league fixtures are due to come out tomorrow. We're recording this Sunday the, the 5th of July. And fixtures come out tomorrow morning ahead of the start to the season and the 1st of August. So looking forward to that. Then we're going to talk about Dundee United. Um, they've given us plenty of, of interesting topics then we'll turn their attention to the court case <laughs> it's a bit of a pantomime to be honest um, and Budge I, I think I'll just sign up for that one <laughs> <laughs> and we don't need to go into the technical legal details mate. we can just discuss how how this has uh, reignited the banter years and expanded the banter years it's not just Rangers anymore it's the entirety of Scottish football that's um, become a laughing stock for the rest of the world if it, was, if it wasn't already. And then we'll talk about the Champions League and Europa League qualifiers because they're only going to be one leg. So we'll have a look at what that might mean for the four Scottish sides that will be in Europe. And then we'll we'll finish off with a look at ideal signings for, for a few teams ahead of the start of the season. Does that sound good, guys? Perfect, mate. All right. Okay, Spot well, on. I've, I've, uh, nice I've, I've rustled that together. When McCann literally texted us about 25 minutes before we started recording and said, Ali, I think you'd, you'd be quite good at presenting this particular one. So uh, if it's if it's, if it's it's uh, in no sort of order, don't don't blame me. Blame the, uh, just blame the system. But yeah. Mal, how, blame Marley, isn't it? Blame Ann Budge. At the end of the day, it all comes back to Ann Budge. <laughs> No, but um, fair play to her. She's she's well and truly stood up for for what she believed in, and we'll, we'll get on to that in a wee bit. Um, I suppose firstly, just the return of the league. Obviously, it's, it it seems like I don't know about you guys, but to me, it seems like it's been so long since the league finished. I think the last game I was at was Hamilton away when Kelly lost one 0 in the last minute. So that's that was a horrible, that was a horrible game to have as my last one for a while, but. Uh, I don't know about you. Have you guys felt like it's it's flown in, or have you guys think that it's just been so long since you were last at an actual? Oh, I, 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 absolutely, absolutely not right. flown in. It's as you say. I, th- I think the last game I was up was Smirin at home. I thought if, if memory serves me, that was Celtic's last game. But honestly, it feels like a lifetime ago. Obviously, we've had some football, and the, the Bundesliga started in May. Premier League started back again, but it's just it's just not the same as watching your own club and watching watching football for your own neck of the woods. I know folk, folk go on, it's not the best quality, but uh, 
it's a football I care about most and for me football's not truly back until the to the camaraderie of Scottish football's truly back. It's not truly back until uh, Stephen O'Donnell or whatever he'll be uh, makes a half-hearted attempt to, to win the ball back. Great, great fullback until he, he lost interest in, in, in Kilmarnock. But anyway, Chris, have you have you missed the... Well, I'm assuming that's a, an obvious answer that you've missed the football, but how, how have, has it flown in for you as well, that, that gap in between the league finishing and about to start again? It's absolutely dragged in, but I don't know if it's a saviour in disguise because Rangers' form before lockdown was absolutely horrendous. I think our last game was the 3-1 defeat to Leverkusen. Uh-huh. Oh my God, in three months in lockdown after that performance. Are you are you wary, I suppose, because Rangers will have that European tie against Leverkusen and although at times Leverkusen have looked a bit suspect in the Bundesliga um, and last night as well, defensively they were woeful in the German Cup final against Bayern Munich, but... Going forward, they're frightening, and obviously Kai Havertz, one of the most exciting players in the world. Now, are, are you a bit scared of that prospect of playing Leverkusen, or are you quietly? I'm just hoping that all the big teams come in and buy Havertz and Dabby and what all the other top ah, players. Yeah. That's, that's if I, I to be honest, I'd be very surprised if Kai Havertz was there by the time the time that game comes. What is it? Probably another month away that game. That's yeah, the first week August, August, I think it is. Yeah. I think Kai Havertz is kind of. Probably the hottest property in Europe that's looking for a move in it. So I'd be yeah, very absolutely. surprised if he started a Leverkusen player by the time by the time that game comes along. Obviously, we've still got plenty of other good, great players. As you say, Diaby, Leon Bailey, guys like that. Going forward, they're a frightening team. So uh, as we as we seen the night that off. night in Glasgow, I'll be writing that off one hundred percent when that game is played. I think I think Rangers don't have a chance. They absolutely buried us at Ibrox and. They've been playing for about two months now or something like the German League's been back. Rangers yeah. Sport have kicked up on for about four months. Yeah. To be Could fair, be I take it, I take it uh, away goals and all that carry on comes into it as well, even yeah. though yeah. obviously it's... We're already three, three goals down. <laughs> in that you never know. You, you never know, boy. Stranger things have happened then. Uh, but I, I, I do have to say, um, if I was a Rangers fan, I, would, I wouldn't be looking forward to that game but you never know it's a strange possibility like I can't see them getting a result at all but could you imagine they actually did get a result and get through and they're playing qualifiers at the same time as they're playing the quarterfinals my, yeah, my kind of only thought is like, I'm, I'm not saying for a second I'm expecting Rangers to have a hope in hell I get, getting that that deficit back but what is actually going to be the script with Leverkusen for now because obviously their season finished proper last night Rangers yeah. have been back pre-season to and I take it Leverkusen for a couple of weeks anyway will be sitting back with their feet up. Yeah, I would, I would imagine that Peter Bosch would, would give the Leverkusen boys a relatively well-deserved break. I mean, well, you say that, but they missed out on Champions League football next year by losing to Hertha Berlin in the penultimate match day of the season and I don't think Peter Bosch was too happy about that. But I think he'll give them the chance to to recuperate a bit and, and, and rest up, as you say, McCann. And that's almost more worrying because they'll have... I would, I would imagine they'll play some friendlies in between now and that game against Rangers. I mean, that would that would make sense. But they'll be well-rested. They'll have more match fitness, obviously, than, than Rangers will have. Um, because by that point, I think Rangers will only play maybe the first game of the season. So I, I, don't, I don't know quite what, what approach they'll take. I know that in, in France, certainly teams like Lyon have been playing... 
a host of friendlies. Um, I think Jean-Michel Olas, the, the Lyon president, was trying to organise a mini-tournament of sorts with the likes of PSG to prepare them for their Champions League tie. So perhaps we'll see Leverkusen do something similar. Oh. I don't think they will just train in between now and then. I think there will be some games, but it is, it is worrying for, for Rangers. Bayern Leverkusen no. could be playing friendlies against Bayern Munich not to prepare and Rangers could be playing East Fife. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Celtic and Rangers have the friendlies in France, which mm. obviously the part of the France game gives me severe PTSD. So, oh, well, and I think I, Leon is well, P, PSG and Leon for Celtic, and then Leon and Nice for Rangers. I believe. Yeah. It, with t- times kind of marching on for that. That's probably only about two weeks away now. Yeah, French French football is 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 almost as are the way that French football is handled. The the football post post pandemic has has been equally as shambolic as 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 has been in Scotland. Like the the whole setup over there, it was all very much um, I think WhatsApp groups and and gentlemen's agreements in the back of Jaguars and not quite Dundee, but Saint Etienne perhaps. And it, it's just the, the two the, the two countries have really I don't think handled handled it. That that well, so that that would be good for for teams from both of those two countries to to put their minds together and and, and see just who dealt with it worse. Anyway, um, we've spoken there a wee bit about about Rangers and and we mentioned Celtic in the passing, but one team who will be unless this this court case or arbitration is going to be decides otherwise, but one team who will be joining uh, the top flight in Scotland come August first are Dundee United. And um, obviously, uh, they thought that Robbie Nielsen would be would be leading them out on August first. But Anne Budge had other ideas. Uh, what do we make of that, guys? That whole um, managerial hoo ha with Robbie Nielsen on the way out and, and the likes of Steve McLaren being linked with the job. McCann, what do you think? Well, it was it was kind of mental, wasn't it? It's, I think it was a paper talk that morning saying, "Oh, Hearts, Hearts fancy coaching Robbie Nielsen again." Then I think probably about five o'clock that afternoon. Hearts had announced them without even announcing that Stendel wasn't was no longer their manager. It was a pure weird situation. Yeah. It's but, a funny <laughs> one how they went about it because they went about using the a release clause in his contract that if they get relegated they could let him go. But then they're also trying to fight the relegation. Ah, uh, it's. I know that that in right. itself almost undermines their whole. Uh, can, I, can I make some mockery of the whole thing? But mm. in terms of Robbie Nielsen himself, he's a Hearts man, but. Personally, personally speaking, if, if you've done all that work to get Dundee United back to where Dundee United absolutely should be, yeah. they've been out, out the league for far too long for a team the size of Dundee United. But, yeah, uh, Dundee United have got uh, big money owners, do they not as well? I, I was actually kind of half expecting a challenge for the top six. Ah, but I, I, I believe up. they are quite well invested. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to kid on to have half an idea of the financial situation or the ins and outs of it, but I believe they are invested by quite a wealthy wealthy consortium or yeah. individual guy or something, something like that. Yeah, I think, no, I think, obviously, I mean, their, their books, when you have a look at them, um, like their, their accounts, rather, almost, um, they don't make for really convincing reading. I, I think they, they recorded quite significant losses, and I think that was even before you factored in Shanklin's wages, and some people do tend to exaggerate Shanklin's wages, but for a championship team, they wear a lot, and obviously, that, that outlay was, was worth it because Shanklin almost single-handedly fired Dundee United 
to to the title and back to the top flight. I mean, we don't, I watched United a few times. I watched them that that afternoon against Partick Thistle um, when when Shankland scored a hat. I think he you know, scored four goals. It was it was a while ago now, and and he was the difference. I think no, United won four one. Shankland scored a hat trick, and and really, like you could see then, and, and and having watched them in other games as well, you could see that Shankland was making the difference. So. I suppose it was worth it in that regard, but yeah, they do have or they do seem to have quite significant financial backing. Um, having spent all that money, they would have hoped. I think their season ticket sales have been good, to be fair, but they won't be getting the match day revenues that they would have been hope, hoping to get, you know, straight away. Because I think when when you spend that amount of money, you need to hit the ground running when when you do get to the top flight in terms of yeah. the financial income, and sadly they won't be able to do that. So I don't know what sort of impact that will have on them. But I think they are, as as you say, McCann, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, Chris, that they're a team that belong in the top flight. They're, they're a huge historical club, one of the biggest clubs in Scotland, without doubt. And we saw one particular name being linked with, with United. He's since been ruled out. Um, Steve McLaren. How, how big an appointment would that have been for Scottish football and do we think he would have been a success, guys? Chris, what do you think? I think, uh, for publicity-wise, it would have been amazing for Scottish football because he's a guy that you always see in interviews. What was it, France or... No, it was Holland or something, maybe, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, 20, 20, 20 inches. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I think he'd have made a bit of a mock-up here. I couldn't see him lasting, to be honest. Mm. I think the fact that they, they went for somebody like that but shows that like, they're kind of intent that they want to be a top 16, but... Good for somebody yeah. with a big name, big reputation. Yeah, it'd have been worth it just for post-match interviews, Mark. You know? uh, it would have been worth it just just for the the inevitable unveiling of the Dundee United brawly, uh, as as uh, the big keeper throws one into his own net. Um, but I'd love to hear his take on the Dundonian accent as well. I'd love uh, to hear I, him come out and call around about a circle. Aye, <laughs> you would, you would, he would, he would perfect the Dundonian accent in the same way that he's perfected the Dutch accent in the past and. I think uh, I heard I can't remember who it was I was listening to, but they were comparing the Steve McLaren rumours to to when Steve Clark came up to Kilmarnock, and and people will probably think I'm I'm saying this through through blue tinted uh, spectacles, but I honestly think Steve Clark is a is a better manager than Steve McLaren. I know that might I mean I know McLaren did a great job in the Netherlands and not such a great job for the English national team, but we're still at the English national team and, and he's got experience working with, with huge names in, in the same way that Clark had experience working with the likes of Mourinho. But I just think that more in terms of the, the Scottish game, maybe not overall as a manager, I, I think it's difficult to compare the two. I would probably still say Clark's a better manager overall, but for the Scottish game, Clark obviously was Scottish, seemed to just get the Scottish game and I'm not quite sure McLaren who strikes me as quite an ignorant guy maybe quite arrogant perhaps I'm being harsh there but he he struck me as the sort of guy who would come up here and in much the same way that when Joey Barton came up just thought he could he could walk over the league and, and would dominate and would show everyone just how amazing he is uh, and that wasn't the case and I think with McLaren we might have seen something similar Owen Coyle came back up from, from, from down south and obviously didn't quite have the CV that Steve that McLaren was, had. That, that was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it? It was a disaster, County, wasn't it? And, and, and Coyle had done, done well with Burnley down south. So, you, you know, while he maybe hadn't accrued quite quite the same level of experience as Steve McLaren, 
he still had done relatively okay down south and then, and then he come up here and that's even a Scottish individual coming back up here and, and it doesn't work out for him. So I think it's it's, it's a more difficult league in, in which to manage than, than perhaps a lot of observers give it credit for. And I don't think it would have been necessarily a success for Steve McLaren at Dundee United, but it would have been totally entertaining. It would have been a, a circus and the post-match interviews would have would have made for quite some viewing. Um, do we, do we want... Dundee United's banter yours anyway. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. One thing it would have brought, to be fair, is for maybe not a box office name in terms of British football or even beyond that, but in terms of Scottish football, it would have been a box office name. We would have been able to attract maybe a certain level of player that Dundee United typically wouldn't be able to attract. You've even seen that, using Steve Clark as an example. Steve Clark arrives at Kilmarnock, all of a sudden you've got Yusuf Malumbu, years and years of Premier League experience you've got shirt I'm going to butcher his name but Tish, Tishibola who was an Tishibola, 8 million pound yeah. player a couple of years before Tishibola, that he was, able, he, he was able to attract a certain level of player just for the presence of his name yeah. so I Steve McLaren could, pop, could probably have had a similar impact at Dundee United in my opinion yeah, he could have brought like David Bentley and Joe Cole back or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but no, I think it, obviously he seems to be out the running now, but it would have been, as you say, box office if only for the the post match um, press conferences. But we'll, we'll need to wait and see who Dundee United do decide to appoint. Of course, the team. Strong, sorry, strong rumours are uh, Mickey Mickey Mellon, Tranmere Rovers manager. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. Don't know what your opinions or your thoughts are on Mickey Mellon if you've, if you've had any any dealings with the guy, but. I have to confess, McCann, my, my area of expertise is, is German football uh, and European football generally. When it comes to Mickey Mellon and Tranmere Rovers, I, I do have to say um, that I don't, even, I don't even dabble. But I, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to hearing more about him. So if any, anybody listening in has some, some interesting uh, opinions or, or facts about Mickey Mellon, then, then do get in touch because I'm all ears, I'm all ears. I love, I love learning. But, I, well, you know, it's, if it does happen, then, then I think... It shows that they've they've not gone and appointed one of the old boys, which has to be commended. They've not appointed a Terry Butcher or a Craig Levine or a Neil McCann. They've never appointed Neil McCann, but <laughs> someone of that ilk. So they've, they've pushed the Craig, Craig Levine was insane. He fancied it. Yeah, he would fancy it, but it's like, I am a Cheryl Cole lookalike and all then. That kind of <laughs> like, uh, if anyone's in for it, like, you, you can't just put your name in the hat for something and expect it to have any credibility. But, um, no, he did that to what? successful time at Dundee United before but it's ah, years ago t- years t- ago, 12, 12 years ago probably yeah, and he's passed Scottish it. football in particular has changed tenfold yeah. since then so. yeah. and, and Levine had obviously we've seen Levine we've seen Levine at Hearts the he had at Hearts to be in the position he was in was frankly atrocious oh yeah it was bad Chris were you trying to say something there I was just saying the style of football Craig Levine would bring alone would be a big no-no for me yeah, I just yeah, looked yeah. up Tranmere's league position for this season in League One, and they have been relegated. So, oh, he's a shoe in then for the Dundee job. <laughs> to, to be to be fair, I, th- I think they, I think they got a couple of promotions to get to League One. Obviously, they've not had a, not had a stellar season once they've got up to League One. But I think a couple of years ago they were as low as the Conference or the Van yeah. or whatever, whatever it's called. Yeah. Ah, oh. oh, well, well, if he does get appointed, then. Um, I, I, as I said, I, I would be happy for him to be appointed because it shows that Dundee United are being innovative 
to an extent. They're, they're not just going down that old boy's route and kind of relying on on the words of, of those at the BBC who seem to always um, promote completely um, bland individuals for, for jobs that could attract exciting um, candidates. Anyway, Dundee United, moving on, will, will be in the top flight at the expense of Heart of Midlothian and that takes us on nicely to this juicy court case. They're my dinners ready, by the way. I need to go. Really? <laughs> oh, I just don't want to talk about <laughs> That's case. the thing, because David said turn the video off, so I can't tell you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I mean, you can, go and, you can go and tuck into your dinner and I'll talk us through the intricacies of uh, the Scottish legal system. Nah, like, I don't think we even need to go into... I'll give a brief overview of it. I mean, people are probably familiar with it now, but Hearts and Partick obviously brought this case and were arguing for, uh, in the first instance, reinstatement into the top flight and the championship, respectively. And if that couldn't happen, and the alternative, they wanted compensation. And it was exorbitant exorbitant levels of, of compensation. I'm not quite sure where they plucked it. I think Hearts were going for £8 million which was, I don't know where they plucked that from, probably their Champions League qualification that would never have happened. But um, and, and then they also said that, and in their statement, people would have been able to work out anyway from the court papers, I would imagine. But in Hart's statement, they said that they weren't ruling out the possibility of interim interdict. And interim interdict is just, to put it into plain English, it's, it's basically stopping somebody from doing something in its most basic sense. Uh, so they were... They were saying that if it comes to it, we're we're willing to apply for this interim interdict to stop the season starting or, or prevent rather the season from starting on on the first of August, and that would have been potentially catastrophic for the finances of other clubs. And I know that Hearts and Partick have been um, treated. I, I think they've been treated unfairly. I know some people uh, might agree. Particularly Partick, actually, I think Hearts. Yeah. Obviously, because Hearts are the bigger club, and Hearts are kind of the spearhead of the of the whole thing, the kind of main attention's been on Hearts, but Partick Thistle had had a game in hand, which if they won, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have been bought with a week, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hearts, Hearts obviously were four points behind, still still could have made that up very, in a matter of a couple of games, but yeah, they had more work Partick Thistle in particular were really, really hard done by, to be fair. Yeah, and, and you've got to remember as well that the, the drop from Championship to League One, was a, I suppose it's all relative, isn't it? But Hearts were, were in a better financial position to to survive than, than Partick, I, I think, are. I think Partick will just about be fine, but this is going to have a huge... Like, people will lose at Hearts and at Partick Thistle their jobs because of this, and I think that's where some people are, are focusing purely on the football and and almost laughing at it. And I, I, That doesn't sit too, too well with me, to be honest, because if it was, any, if it was a club that, that you yourself supported... You, you most certainly wouldn't be laughing. I think the way that Hearts and Partick have maybe communicated and conducted themselves at times, they, they haven't gained a lot of fans, and in particular the statement when, when they made it quite clear that they'd be willing to go for the interim interdict option. I think that ruffled a few feathers, but at the end of the day, they've they've been severely mistreated here. They have every right to feel hard done by. They have every right to do whatever they want. They, they have been... Um, yeah, I, I just I, I don't think it's fair in the slightest, um, and you know maybe they should have done certain things differently. They should have approached it in a slightly different manner. 
But I don't think, as fans of clubs who who really haven't, relatively speaking, had had an awful lot to contend with as a result of you know play being suspended. Um, most clubs will be. I know there's a lot of cut, but, uh, cuts and, and financial um, losses, but compared to what Hearts and Partick this are going through, I don't think I don't think anyone can really have too many complaints. So I totally understand why there is a bitterness, why there is a feeling of injustice, and yeah, what, what have you guys? Before we get on um, to I suppose the next stage in the process, because Lord Clark uh, sitting in the court of session through in Edinburgh. Essentially said that the court, uh, the court wasn't the case should should go to arbitration rather than go through the the court of session. So that's going to be, in a way, arbitration is just it's like a private court if you like. It's essentially like playing behind closed doors. So we'll we'll get to know what the decision is, but we just won't get to know the arguments. So yeah. it's more of a private process. It's probably the best way to describe it. And both clubs will still be able to make the same arguments. They'll both still be able to ask for the same remedies. So the only thing that really changes is the level of press coverage, I suppose, because we'll only get to know the decision. And that almost makes it more exciting. And I know exciting is maybe an insensitive word to use when there's so much at stake for these two clubs. But it will. I'm interested to see how it will happen. I don't think we'll get a decision, a resolution before the start of the season on 1st of August. And that in itself will, will complicate matters. But one of my pals asked me, um, Ali, as, as a lawyer, like, what what do you think will be the outcome here? And then I said, I honestly could not tell you because we don't have all the information before us. We don't know exactly what's going on. We, we, won't, we won't have access to that evidence. So you would need to have all of that available to you to say. And honestly, it's, it's anyone's guess. I think... Potentially, I don't. I think it's more likely for compensation rather than reinstatement. But obviously, compensation—the money's got to come from somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to have an impact on the clubs. I think compensation is the most likely option, and we'll be seeing Hearts in the Championship and Partick in League One next year. But that's again a total guess because we don't know everything. What have you? I mean, we've kind of focused, and I didn't want to focus for too long on the legal intricacies. But purely from a footballing perspective, what have you guys made of it, McCann? Yeah, well. Obviously, it's harsh in the two clubs, but I, I think even when you look further down, I think Kelty Hearts and uh, with Brora Rangers, sorry, I think they've been very, very hard, hard done to as well because obviously they don't get their chance to come into the come into the football league. And when you look at particularly the bottom division now, the clubs, the two clubs that have been kind of fighting away for the league all season have been Edinburgh City and Cove Rangers, two teams that in recent years have came through this playoff system and got, got themselves into the league. So there is ambitious clubs in there and Kelty and Brora are obviously two of the most ambitious clubs. Obviously Kelty have Barry Thurgis and Bob Malcolm at the helm. Two guys I'm uh, not very fond of but at the end of the day it's, it's two, two kind of big names and uh, they've obviously put quite a lot of money into the infrastructure of that club and to, to be at least delayed a season where they can't even get a chance to get into the top uh, well not the top flight to get into the football pyramid I think that's quite poor on them as well, to be honest. Whereas you've got Brecon managed by Mark Wilson, sitting bottom of the league. They've been free falling since their disastrous season in the Championship. Yeah, they're kind of getting away scot free this season. It kind of seems like. Yeah, Chris, what have what have you made you made of it all? Like obviously, um, as a Rangers fan, you may or may not have been 
well, I suppose you, you said that Rangers form was awful and you hinted that you were actually quite glad <laughs> there's been no football for a while. But Rangers, taking Rangers and, and Celtic in the title, is out of it. what have you made of how it's all unfolded? I think uh, different story altogether, but I think the SFA altogether just showed absolute lack of leadership through the whole thing. And I think they missed a massive opportunity. There was like, a suggestion of like a temporary league reconstruction I think for years, like for Scottish football, they need like some kind of revamp. And I think like this whole thing was a perfect opportunity, like a few months without football, to just kind of come to a decision, maybe try and reconstruct the leagues. Obviously, in the last few weeks, you've heard like people talking about Rangers and Celtic B teams entering like the bottom tier of Scottish football as well. Like, it would have been a great opportunity to get more teams in like that. I think like expanding the top division to keep teams like Hearts and stuff in it, maybe get Dundee United and other championship teams in to make it more exciting for everyone else. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there was a chance, a real opportunity, as you say, Chris, for um, you know a complete overhaul of Scottish football. I think it is stagnating. I think people perhaps not not so much undersell the game in Scotland because the quality isn't fantastic, but the entertainment is there. And I'm sure I read somewhere that, that our TV deal, um, I can't remember, it was a, a country in Europe that it was one of the kind of smaller countries and, and they've got a better TV deal than us. And it was essentially talking through like just how perhaps like the game is being undersold in, in that sense. I think, I don't think the, the format is attractive to, to broadcasters. I think it's very much, obviously with the introduction of the playoffs, that, that has made it more competitive because before then it was was, was pretty, pretty bland other than the title race. I mean, the, the relegation battle very rarely was that exciting. So obviously the playoffs have, have spiced it up a little bit, but this was a, a genuine chance, as as you say, for, for an overhaul and to make things more exciting. Um, I think as well, like... See when you look at like obviously Sky's taking over Scottish broadcasting for the next yep. however long, and uh, majority of the games on Sky at the moment it's literally Rangers against somebody or Celtic against somebody, yep. and then you'll get the occasional Hearts and Hibs derby. Hearts aren't going to be in the league, so you yep. could open the door to maybe a Dundee United derby. But can you see that happening in the Sky? Can't really see it happening myself. No, that's so like, no, that, that's revenue in the losing revenue in the Hearts, uh, the Edinburgh derby alone. So like. Yeah, I don't know. I think they must have a massive opportunity to kind of try and revamp the league a wee bit. I just think in terms of see, see as long as you've got Sky at the helm, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get it in a way. But there's no gonna be four Celtic Rangers games in a year because yeah. you're looking at whenever that game's on. That's that. That's the only time in a in a calendar season that the Scottish football viewers could match or better the English football viewers for for that weekend. I think just deny the opportunity of four of the games a season TV the, those TV companies just wouldn't be having it personally yeah. well you think that's right or wrong I just think personally that, that just wouldn't happen yeah and it's it is, it is that almost reliance obviously the two of you are both fans of, of members of the old firm but as like a, a Kilmarnock fan there is this almost you don't want to have to rely on the old firm and there is this desire to think that if it wasn't for the old firm they would be fine but realistically 
take out the old firm, take out those the attractiveness that those four games at least a season offer to broadcasters and and straight away there is there's a gap in funds and and that it does pain me to see it because I mean Kumar we're a, a very well run club you know the Kelly Trust do some excellent work as well with the club and financially certainly in the last few years the club's been good and so I would and I would love for us to be able to turn around and say no we we aren't even slightly relying on that presence of the old firm because whether you guys like it or not a lot of non-old firm fans just they, they would probably almost rather be able to have a league of 10 if financially it would be the same they would probably rather that uh, Rangers and Celtic made the move down to England as, as was the suggestion I know that's a quite a grand dramatic statement <laughs> to make but I think a lot, a lot, if you asked a lot of fans they would probably be able to get on board with that but they all know deep down that financially it, it could potentially ruin a lot of clubs are not ruin them, but but make them struggle financially. So I, I, I hear what you're saying, McCann, and it is this balancing of you know a more exciting format and continued broadcast revenue, and the revenue as it is isn't even great. But take out those four games a season, and and it probably it probably gets even even less. But I, I, it's a difficult one. It's it's one of these ones that, and I think that's what the enforced break has been good for because people are now having that conversation more often than they perhaps used to. But, no, nah, it, it, it is a difficult one. It is a difficult one. Do we want to, before I suppose we, we move on, because we're, we're focused more down on that other end of the table um, and, and the comings and goings between the two leagues. Yeah. Do we want to add anything more on that before we move on? Because I, I, I kind of penciled in to talk about the Champions League Europe League qualifiers and kind of how they're only going to be a, over one leg. But do we have anything else we want to say in terms of the kind of other end of the table before we move on, guys? What is in like what, yeah, hearts just, or... <laughs> yeah, just as in like hearts. You know, if you if you've got anything else that you've been holding in that you're desperate to say about the whole situation, it's a regrettable situation, of course, but. Do we have anything that we want to add? I think long term, Hearts are pointing Robbie Nielsen anyway. Like they're pretty much going down. They'll obviously try to do everything they can to delay it, but they've got a manager that's took them up before he beat Rangers yep. uh, and Hibs, and then yep. obviously he's took Dundee United up. So like they're pretty much preparing themselves for the championship. They've got a lot of good youth players like Harry Cochran and stuff, and it'll be a good opportunity to get them game time. So I think. Yeah. Probably I do, I do actually, the championship might be the best thing for him, to be honest. I, yeah. I do actually think Nielsen's quite a decent manager. He, he probably, he obviously went down south to Hearts the last time, and he, he made that move far too early to a team that was kind of free-falling, so that was a bad move at the time. So he's, he's kind of got that second chance, if you like. Yeah. But basically, back to where he started. Will, will do you agree with his decision to move there or no? He's a Hearts man. He's went to a slightly bigger club than what he was at. Parts are probably a bigger club than D United, to be honest. So, yeah, no. I, did he make the right move? <laughs> folk, folk would probably say no, but in, t- in terms of it's it's basically a clean slate for him. As he's still a young manager, so yeah, quite a, quite a good move for Hearts, I would say. You never know what could have happened in the background. Like he might be going up there, and you don't know if Dundee United have already said we're selling Shankland, and he might not have the funds to bring in somebody that could compete mm-hmm. for the top six. So I think, like, if he takes Hearts back up, at least he'll know they'll have that funds to challenge the top six again. 
I mean, to be honest, it should, it should be a free ride next season. I mean, nobody should be able to touch Hearts in that league. I know, yeah. I know we kept kind of saying it like, oh, Hearts should have more, more than enough to, to be able to stay up in the end. And <laughs> as I said, all right, it finished early, but as it turned out, they actually never. But surely, surely there's nobody in that league that can touch Hearts. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't. I don't think there's any team with a quality of player that can can come close to Hearts, to be honest. Yeah. Especially if they're keeping guys like Naismith and that on board for next season. I yeah. think that in the Scottish Championship should just should be a canter, to be honest with you. Yeah, it should, it should be a canter, but you know, f- football's played out on the pitch rather than on paper, as we say. So we, we, we don't know how how the the enforced break and how, how this court case and I suppose the psychological impact of that court case uh, we don't know the impact that that will have on on Hearts, but yeah, as you say, McCann and Chris, they should, they should. Especially definitely. other championship teams as well. I, th- I think it will be a big, big struggle for every every team out with the SPPL going forward. Obviously, yeah, I think I think we're talking at the minute they have no plan to move forward with the football till October, which you might be able to get fans in by that point, which would be a massive help. Obviously, to all these teams that don't really see the benefits of a TV deal, so. Yeah, no, I'm looking the likes of Albion Rovers. They they need pay, they need uh, gate payments to be oh, able yeah. to survive, hundred percent. So yeah, no, it's That's just, just a, an odd example. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 what what drew you to the example of Albion Rovers? Do you have an affinity? I don't know. I, I don't know. Actually, it must be Jock Steen or something. Yeah. The first name that came to my head is a is a wee Scottish club. Yeah, fair enough, McCann. I thought you just. It's something you wanted to tell us there, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> no, I've got absolutely no affinity. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on 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 that um, blissful note to the, I suppose from from one end of of the football spectrum to the other. We, we've just spoken there about kind of smaller teams and, and relatively small crowds, but the the football behemoth is the Champions League and of course the Europa League qualifiers will be coming back very soon, but. I was reading that the games, or just about every game apart from the, the playoffs or the last game before the group stages for the Champions League, every single qualifier is going to be played over one leg. Uh, and the venues, there'll be no neutral venues. So you could be as unfortunate as to essentially play all of your qualifiers away from home. It's just... Oh, is it, is, it not, is it not a neutral venue, no? No, not, not for the qualifiers. Like, obviously, the... The, the closing rounds of the actual Champions League this season's Champions yeah. League they, they're being played uh, in Lisbon and, and in German venues so but when it comes yeah, to Rangers next, are going to Germany to play a German team it's... yeah but when it comes to next year's events then um, it, the qualifiers are going to be just one leg which I suppose makes it perhaps more likely that we'll, we'll see some some even bigger shocks maybe the likes of Rangers losing to Progress or Kilmarnock losing to Connors Key will, will be more. Um, well, also, Kilmarnock won't be in Europe, sadly. Imagine that Red Imps game was one like. I don't know. That's it. McCann, you've, just, you've stolen my thunder there. I was about to say, I, I, I teed up a note. It was the only note that I'd made before this. And I was like, oh, well, uh, if only the, this same rule had been in place uh, back in 2016, 2017. Perhaps, and it's one of these, like the butterfly effect. This is Scottish football's version of the butterfly effect. If the pandemic had struck, um, back in that 2016-2017 season and we'd been playing qualifiers over one leg. Brendan Rodgers Celtic would probably have been put out by Lincoln Red Downs. I mean, you don't know, the psychological impact could have been different. But anyway, they lost that game 1-0. Uh, 
uh, over in Gibraltar. And that, who knows, that, that might have um, just, like, perhaps Rodgers wouldn't have been able to, to get over that. It was his first competitive game, of course. And um, maybe Celtic wouldn't have, have gone on to, to continue to dominate in the way that they have. And perhaps Rodgers wouldn't be at Leicester City now. Um, because we saw how Alessio, Angelo Alessio at Kilmarnock struggled to get over that loss to Connors Keane. I'm not saying Alessio would have gone on to win the treble for Kilmarnock, far from it. But these managers who come into the job and, and lose a game early on, uh, they, they do naturally struggle. Um, uh, and if, if Celtic had gone out to Lincoln Red Imps, that would have been worse for me than Connors Key, um, by w- without a shadow of a doubt. So it's interesting, it is one of these butterfly effects, but hopefully uh, we won't be seeing any embarrassing results, even if it is over one leg um, for our Scottish teams in Europe. How, how do you guys think... Obviously, not been playing for a while and they'll be up against teams who, who have been playing because most leagues in Europe have now resumed in one way or another. How do you guys see see Rangers, Celtic, Motherwell and Aberdeen getting on? I'll come to you first, Chris. What do you think? Uh, I think Gerrard's got a good record over in European games anyway, definitely in qualification, but like in a one-off game, it's a tough one to call. I think it probably suits teams like Aberdeen and Motherwell more because... Yep. They probably weren't looking to qualify for the group stage anyway, realistically, but like I think it gives them a massive opportunity. But I think as Rangers and Celtic go, I think it probably makes them nervous because there's a lot more to play for money-wise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just that it's the fact that if you lose a goal and a team sits in, you've not got a second leg to come back to. It's, it is, um, perhaps teams will, will be quite wary. We'll probably see quite a few cagey games, um, almost like the opening games of European Championships or World Cups in the group stages. Um, McCann, what, what what do you think? Are you are you nervous or do you have every faith in Neil Lennon and the boys to deliver? See, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if I'm actually quite happy with it. I'll, te- I'll, I'll give you two examples of why I think it actually might be a good thing. Twice last season, Celtic played away from home in the first leg, drew one each, which you think, brilliant result. Away goal, perfect take it back to Parkhead and finish the job. And two games, once against Cluj in the qualifier and then against Copenhagen in the last 32, they two games were absolute disasters after getting good results away from home. So, obviously, obviously we only got a draw away from home and it would have been on extra time probably in those circumstances, but I don't know if I'm actually quite happy with with a kind of one-off game just to... Obviously... Time will tell if it suits or no, but uh, obviously you said with the, with the teams that have already been playing as well it would, would be a massive advantage to them, obviously. But yeah, especially to, be, to be honest, the team Celtic playing the first couple of rounds over one game, Celtic should be stronger. Yeah, I know, I know they should have been stronger than Closing qualifying last year, should have been stronger than Copenhagen, and ultimately, ultimately failed. But at a, a, to be honest, in my mind, I think it's quite a good thing, but I don't know, I know, to be honest, until it plays out. Yeah, I'll tell you in September. Hi, I'll tell you once I see Celtic in the group stages. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, well, I suppose it's one of these ones that it does just give you that chance to get out there and get it done over, over 90 minutes, but there is also that danger that if you do fall behind or you, you are struggling to break a team down and, and they, they hit you on the break, you don't have that safety net of a, a return leg. Uh, but 
Yeah, Chris, I think I agree with you in that Aberdeen and Motherwell probably will prefer this system and Rangers and Celtic, I suppose, yeah, Rangers and Celtic over the last couple of years uh, in particular have done well in the qualifiers. So well, it'll be interesting to watch. I think it will make the games, so on, on the one hand, perhaps games will be more... Um, cagey perhaps but on the other hand there's more potential for, for excitement there because they are it is literally all or nothing I and mean, there's so much money riding on it for a lot of these clubs who rely quite heavily on Champions League money rather or Europa League money um, no it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out um, and on that note obviously clubs will will be looking to to ensure that they have the best possible squads ahead of the start of the new season both for their European football qualifiers, but also for the domestic campaign. And I was just wondering who, or rather what areas, you guys think that, that, that Rangers and Celtic could perhaps improve in and, and who would be an ideal sign? I'll come to you first, McCann. Who do you think Celtic could could be looking to bring in? Well, I think the obvious position then is definitely the goalkeeper. Like, kind of un- undeniably. Obviously, Fraser Foster was fantastic last year. Like, I think better than anyone would have expected him to be coming. Obviously, we knew what kind of quality a keeper he was before last season, but he was coming in with a bit of a cloud. He's no, no played a lot of football the last couple of years. Had a lot of knee troubles. Do we know if he's going to be the same keeper? And I think from, I think it was a debut he saved a penalty. All right, <laughs> Hart scored the rebound, but from mm. there you're thinking, ah, it's... Doesn't look doesn't look as if the big man's lost it. Games yeah. like obviously the League Cup final was absolutely one of the best performances, single performances I've ever seen for a goalkeeper. Lazio at home, the save he made right at the death to make to keep Celtic in the lead. Phenomenal save. Yep. Just so some of his individual performances slash highlights the last season were phenomenal. So obviously so the rumours can I seem to be suggesting that Southampton fancy him to come in and fight for the place next season. Mm. So obviously that's a position that needs filled again. Wait, I wait think, uh, there's been a lot of talk of like Joe Hart and stuff like that being linked, but like I think for Celtic's financial situation, like with the gamble of would you gamble ten in a row over spending eight million pounds on a goalkeeper? I mean I think it'd be silly for Celtic to gamble somebody like Joe Hart's form when they know that Fraser Foster's done such a good job in the past? Personally, like, I've, Joe, Joe Hart's really divided opinion among Celtic fans. I, I'm kind of out of the persuasion where I actually think it would be not a bad sign. Like, once upon a time, there was a brilliant keeper in there. If you look at a all, all right, massively different position, but the likes of Scott Sinclair coming to Celtic, just a run of games he got and he was back to the, back to the player he was before. I think... Joe Hart just coming up here, fresh start, working under Stevie Woods, who is a fantastic goalie coach, by the way. Yeah, I think like I think it would be a decent sign, but it's just a thought. I know Foster would be a phenomenal signing again. So, who would, yeah, I, mean, who would I prefer it to? Definitely Foster. But does Joe Hart just just to interrupt? Sorry, does Joe Hart still do the, the head and shoulders adverts? Because I haven't seen him in a while. And I, nah, he's, he's not he's not got the pedigree for that. Uh, perhaps that that's why he's no longer playing as well as he is because he's, he's not got that sponsorship deal. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember what one it was, <laughs> but I can't genuinely blame Joe Hart's downturn in form on the head and shoulders advert. I would like to add. 
I would like to add that I'm not I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm I'm saying it <laughs> before anyone goes and quotes me on another podcast and says that absolute idiot was was saying that he had shampoo and he's out. That's a wee guy down the down the swimming and, and you would get chlorine in your eyes and it'd be just as bad as the oh, shampoo. Yeah. Obviously, there's been, there's been a couple of others linked. Vasilos Barkas of EAK Athens seems, yeah. to be the, seems to be the kind of headline. All of them, five million's been quoted. Yeah. Do I know a lot about this guy? No. I, supposedly, he played against us a few. To be honest, I can't remember the EAK Athens goalkeeper from that tie at all. Because, <laughs> to be honest, they didn't have a lot to do over the two legs. Yeah. But uh, 10 caps for Greece, 26 year old, 10 clean sheets out of 20 games this season. Sounds like not a bad. I watched a wee YouTube compilation on me. Oh, like the Cardinal stuff, but, but, can. But you can't buy the YouTube you, I, compilation. But as you know, the YouTube comp- pod compilation can make me look like a player. So, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I, I, another one I kind of thought was the Copenhagen goal. I can't remember his name, so I, I should have probably researched this before I came on. But I, I thought the Copenhagen goal was fantastic. Yeah. No, but, I think it's yeah. It's, it's clear that Celtic do need to to bring in um, a goalkeeper. So that's one to watch. Are there any other positions that you think Celtic would need to improve on? Or I, 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 I obviously, it depends West, on what you lose, doesn't it? Yeah. West Wing's been kind of filled by Emil Yanusu, which, which I actually... I know he, he only played 10 league games last year. He was, the fact he was rushed back for the League Cup final kind of ruined the season last season, but I think Emil is a fantastic football player. Yep. With the benefit of a full pre-season at Celtic, could, could very well go on to be player of the year next year, in my opinion. I said that last year, by the way, he only played 10 league games, so I don't want yeah. to give him the kiss of death again. But uh, yeah. For me, the, the, other, the other kind of two positions, possibly a left-back, although uh, I quite like Greg Taylor in the left-back position. I'm not sure about in the left-wing-back position. Nah, but it, it all depends about what, what way Celtic are looking to play next season. But if they were going to play with a flat four at the back... I think Greg Taylor's absolutely fine in that. So I think he's been improving since he's arrived at Celtic. Obviously, wasn't he really getting a game to begin with? But Bolly as well. Some of Celtic's best football was played with Bolly in the team. He's just obviously suspect got, defensively. Got a calamitous performance in him. But yeah. you look at the likes of his performance at home to Lazio and that. There's a great player in there that just, just needs unlocked a wee bit more. He, he just he needs to kind of calm down a wee bit. He just always seems yeah. so nervous when he's on a football park. Maybe just got every every attribute you could want. He's mm. really, really fast. Can pick out a cross. His positioning's not too bad defensively. I, I do think there's a player in there, but I, I wouldn't be averse to sign another left back and centre half with Jozo Sabinovic vacant. Yeah. I think not even necessarily somebody to come in and be your commanding starter, just a reliable presence. In fact, I'm going to use the Copenhagen example again. The guy, Victor Nelson, that played with Copenhagen, thought it was yeah. excellent. I'd be very, very interested in getting him in. But I think Copenhagen bought for about four and a half million, so he'd probably command a fee of maybe 10 million or so. Which, or do you want to put that out there someday when you've already got a settled partnership there? Possibly not. It's very hard to but, tell what with fees, like with the, the financial situation. It actually might help a lot of Scottish teams attract a better quality of player for less money. Of course, I. Of course, especially with a lot of players getting let go in a free agent, like Scott Dan, the Crystal Palace centre back, is a free agent. I think he'd be a brilliant addition to either old form as a backup centre back. Wait, wait, did you see that? Well, uh, he's in his thirties anyway. Yeah, there will be players like that. Uh, 
Chris, there will there will be players like that. Um, just I suppose floating about that that shrewd clubs will be able to to pick up on a free, as you say. Um, who I suppose going from the east end of Glasgow over to the the southwest of of Glasgow, Chris. Who who do you see as as an ideal signing for Rangers, uh, and why? Uh, I think they need, definitely need somebody that can play in the right wing. They need an out and out winger. They've tried a lot of experiments with Arfield, Naribo and Hadji out wide, but I think realistically they need to go and spend money on somebody that can play out and out wing and put Hadji in the middle. They've already spent the money on Hadji, which I think is a, a good deal and he's got a potential sell-on value in a couple of years' time as well. Uh, and also, I can't see this one happening, but I think we need a command in centre-half. I think Hollander and Cartage are both brilliant, but I think McCann will definitely agree with me here anyway that Goldson is just a he's a bit of a bomb scare at times. But he's you just always know he's got that kind of dodgy touch on him or something like that. He's, he's a bit of a disaster waiting to happen, I feel, or anything makes the ball. What about the French? He was getting a lot of plaudits no long before Football stuff, I think he's it? one of the players that you're happy to have in the squad, but can you see him being the Rangers in half going to win a title? No. With his performance against Hearts in the Scottish Cup, I would very much hope to see him as a Rangers centre half next season. But, Ali, <laughs> but my, he was good away to Braga, to be fair. My, my favourite Rangers defender, obviously, he's no longer with them. It was Big Joe Warrell played a, a really big hand in Kilmarnock's successful season under. Steve Clark, we finished third. That assist he provided for Eamon Brophy uh, in January um, 2019. Uh, January 2019. Beautiful assist as he slipped his he ball. He saw property down south the by the way. I was actually just watching the Derby Not Forest game and he was having an absolute howler. I think that first Derby goal was actually his fault and then I didn't see the second goal, but all I heard was Joe Worrell and Derby two each. Did that? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I think... No, I would, I would probably... Agree with you there, Chris. Like you're, you're looking probably at, at bringing a winger in, um, and then I suppose as well you're you're, you're looking at bringing in a, a more steady and reliable and and less haphazard centre half. My my main hope is that somebody for England comes down ludicrously and offers Rangers five or six million for Conor Goldson, and we pack his case and send him shopping and bring in like, somebody for the same money. Do you think in, in the current market, though, that even not in the current market, even in the pre-COVID-19 market, do you think someone would have come in? I suppose... It's hard to tell you. Like, there was rumours that like, teams down south, I think West Brom was named, like, we're looking at them, but like, so you hear rumours about players all the time, it's hard to tell what's actually concrete or not, but... Yeah. I, I don't know. You... Apparently he was a good player at Brighton in his younger days in the Championship. So if a team's willing to come and pay money, but I can't see Steve Gerrard letting him go. Like I think he sees him as like pretty much as much as captain as Tavernier. So well, he yeah. seems to be the one that doesn't ever get dropped. So. Yeah, undroppable. Um, I it would do would command us this substantial fee. I think to lure him away for Rangers. Yeah. Just what, about, what, what about yourself? A Kilmarnock persuasion? Yeah. No, I was, I was having to think about this earlier. Obviously, we let go a lot of players, but to be honest, although there are a few players within that crop who were let go that I would have quite liked to have kept. Other than Stephen O'Donnell, who's obviously decided that he's going elsewhere and still doesn't seem to have a club yet, which is interesting. I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see him at Dundee United. 
Yeah, if he goes, if he goes there, then it's like, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. He, were good for him, and um, you know, nice enough guy, but his attitudes towards the end when it was apparent he, he wasn't going to be staying on was questionable and then it just shows you that a lot of football players they don't um, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not accusing Stephen O'Donnell of anything he was a great servant for the club um, putting some terrific displays one of the best right backs we've had in quite some time at Rugby Park but it just strikes me as quite disappointing when you see players who decide that they've had enough and they almost just you know give up and it I'm not saying that that is necessarily what happened with O'Donnell. I think that there were a number of factors, but yeah, the, the, towards the end, he had a couple of more impressive displays. But on the whole, it it, it wasn't his best form. Um, so, but having said that, I would quite like to have kept O'Donnell and and um, Dario Del Fabro, um, the the boy on loan from Juventus. He's actually just signed a new long term contract with with the Italian side. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, it's this thing that the Italian. <laughs> I, th- I thought he was a decent player. I, I, I don't know if I can see him in the Chiellini mode. To be fair, no, no, he, he's getting old. Of, He'll be retiring soon. Yeah, he's one of these players that I mean, he, he's probably never going to play for Juventus in the same way that Branescu, the goalkeeper, is never going to play for Juventus. But they just have so many players, and and they loan these players out and essentially make a profit by selling them on, even just for a marginal fee at the end, because the wages aren't that high for these players. Uh, and, and the the parent club get the loan club essentially to cover most of those wages. But I, I would like to to, to see out, out of the the crop of players that we let go, O'Donnell and Del Fabro are the two that really we didn't let Del Fabro go, so to speak. But but out of that crop of players who won't be rejoining the side, O'Donnell and Del Fabro are the two that I think are really the only two that I think we'll properly miss. Um, but we've brought in Aaron McGowan from Hamilton. I think he, he's an interesting signing. I think. It, it, sometimes defensively he can be a little bit suspect but I was always relatively impressed with him when I watched him he got some leap on him as well for a relatively wee guy so and he also seems to have that kind of the bit between his teeth so sort of player that, that, that we were perhaps needing um, to come in so looking forward to watching him play what, I think, what is he sorry a right back? yeah he's a right back so it's essentially he's come in for O'Donnell and um, I would imagine that the wage would be slightly less than O'Donnell was on but we would have Paid him a decent amount because I think Ross County were linked with him and, and a couple of other clubs in Scotland. So that was quite encouraging that, that he chose Kilmarnock. Um, other signings that I think we would need to make, perhaps a, a more creative midfielder. I would love to see Greg Kilty get a run of games. I think he's a very impressive player. And when you do give him game time and you play him through the middle instead of, as so many managers seem to insist on playing him out wide. Play him through the middle, he'll score goals. It's not rocket science. Must be a massive season for him this year. I can, I can always remember him being the kind of the hot property of Kilmarnock yeah. Kid, the kind of sellable asset that was that was going to play a couple of years and be sold on for pretty good value. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's been a weird one because was he at Dunfermline at the start yeah, of last season? So he, he was at Dunfermline and he was, he was at Morton on one as well and I think he spent some time at Queen of the South and he's always done well on his own spells. And every season we say it's a big year for him. And he has the potential in there to do it. But for whatever reason, managers keep sending him out on loan. Clark and Alessio um, both did it. But then when he does play, he brings a spark to the team that no one else in our roster of players is capable of. So I would like to see Greg Kilty getting you know a game every week, hopefully this season with both Dicker and, and Power um, in that midfield too. And, and Greg slightly further up in an almost number 10 role. 
Um, although I'm not sure we have the, the option really to play that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, where else? Goalkeeper. Um, we need to bring in a goalkeeper. Daniel Bachman, who was superb, one of the best goalkeepers in the yeah. league. Um, I, thought, I thought he was very good right? yeah, yeah we finished third he's been linked heavily with us I think it will depend on what happens with Watford obviously they're struggling lost to Chelsea um, just there as well so if, if, if Watford go down maybe we might not see Bachman come back up but as I think there are talks ongoing bring him in and we perhaps even get Del Fabro back I think there's every likelihood that we will um, but Alex Dyer does seem to to really prefer Broadfoot to Del Fabro, which is incomprehensible. But um, everyone's allowed to to make mistakes, I suppose. Yeah, so I think we we need to bring in maybe one more midfielder, and I would say a goalkeeper and a backup goalkeeper. So three players there, and then I would say that we're if you can bring in Backman and a decent enough backup goalkeeper, and then bring in a a midfielder who can challenge Greg Kelty for for a starting place as a creative outlet in the middle of the park, then I think we're just about good to go. Because in an ideal world, you would bring in more players, but we just financially, clubs across Scotland, and even though firm to an extent, will will be um, cutting their outgoings back somewhat. So I think, realistically, the best we could hope for is, is would be those three signings. Um, if we do land those three signings, I think we, we, we would consider it a very successful transfer window. Um, but yeah, I think the goal for us this season is just going to be try and keep it as comfortable as possible. If not top six, then top half of bottom six and, and stay well clear of that relegation zone because particularly in the current economic climate, relegation could be disastrous for, for any team uh, in, in the top flight. But yeah, do we have anything? I mean, we could be here all day speaking through the whole league, but we've just gone past the hour mark and I don't want to to uh, panic David when we said that <laughs> The file after uh, Torres and I spoke for two and a half hours on the, the history of the World Cup since two. Oh, don't, don't, don't worry, I know I listened through it. <laughs> you listened <laughs> to play it, You must have been about the only person that <laughs> started it. Uh, to be fair, I had it on and I, I got to about an hour and a half and I was because I like listening to it back and, and making wee notes about, um, oh, you should have said this or you shouldn't have said that and everything. I quite like doing that. And I got to an hour and a half and I was like, that's, that's enough for, for today. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we're coming in now an hour and two minutes. Do we have anything else that we want to add, or are we good to that? I don't know. Just, uh, just, just kind of wages he would demand. But I thought a player that Kamalik might look at when he left Rangers was John Flanagan, because I think going forward he's not an exciting fullback, but he's very good defensively. And the players that Kamalik have had over the past few seasons, I think he would really suit that mould bank. That would a lot of depend on his wages because I don't even know why he was getting paid at Rangers, but I'd imagine it might have been double figures. Yeah, yeah I think I think wages probably would have been a, a barrier there, to be honest, Chris. But he perhaps would have would have been a, a sensible signing for Kamar, as you say, not not the most exciting, but just fits that mould of being able to get the job done um, in a relatively plain way. McCann, did you have something to add there? I heard you. I was uh, just, just, uh, St. Mirren, I think, have been an interesting team so far. They yeah. seem to, for, for whatever reason, they seem to be getting their business done pretty early. They've obviously got Richard Tate in from Motherwell, Motherwell's captain. Seems yeah. on paper a very, very decent signing Aye, for, that's for, a for that signing. Even the boy Alnwick, the boy that was at Rangers. I mean, oh, him playing in one old firm game, uh, of Glasgow Derby, two years ago. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
Celtic won at five 0 right? But honestly, I did not think he was he was a terrible goalkeeper. Could have been ten now if he wasn't on his game that day. And he's obviously played down south, played a few games even for Newcastle in the Premier League. So that's yeah. that's not a bad acquisition either for a team once a month. So if they get yeah. a couple more bodies in, they could have a very decent season next year. In my yeah. opinion, I actually think Goodwin done. To be honest, quite a good job last season. In my opinion, I thought I think he got them playing all right. Results were only brilliant all the way through the season, but with the benefit of a, a season's experience in the SPL now, Goodwin could be onto something decent there. In my opinion, that's my that's my wee prediction for St. Martin next season. They'll, they'll go on to possibly be the higher reaches of the bottom six. You you definitely have an affinity for for St. Martin, McCann. I'm, I'm not I'm not taking it any other way with with your geographical proximity to their stadium but I mean I don't yeah, like but, my fans but uh, fuck. I, I, like, I like them to be in the top league Ali. I like them to be in the top league yeah it's an easier way day for you you can probably practically walk to the ground just about if you're if you're uh, ambitious oh it's not, not an easy one to get tickets for the ground's tiny yeah uh, ah well uh, right on that note do, do we do we want to add anything or do we want to wrap things up we've got the the second half of the Liverpool Aston Villa game which means absolutely nothing but Still, oh, I, uh, I thought I was onto something. I put, I put a, I put a treble in earlier. Aston Villa, West Ham, and Middlesbrough. I was just, so I thought Villa need to win. West Ham need to win. Middlesbrough just brought one again. Middlesbrough get beat one 0 West Ham drew two each. I believe so. If Aston Villa don't pull off an eleven to one shot, that's a terrible kitten. Are we going to be? Are we going to be making this podcast this time next year with Wagner on it, singing Dundee United are going down? Oh well, <laughs> we'll watch this space. What's this space? If if it does happen, then we'll, we'll get. They're, they're, they're obviously getting Stanley and Fukumarnik and getting Stephen Adonis on. That's enough. That's enough. So. We can on that note. We'll, just, we'll wrap things up because that's absolute blasphemy. I'm not expecting any of that. Can you not just let me have a nice thing, McCann? <laughs> nice thing, these Stuart, Stuart Finlay's luscious ginger locks. Um, I think we should probably stop. I'll stop speaking very soon. Uh, because well, when you when you when you start, um. You start talking about Stuart Finley like that, then well, it's it's only going to end in in tears or, or joy or a mixture of both. Anyway, it's been good uh, getting back to it. As Aye, ple- pleasure, boys, pleasure. Uh, Chris, cheers, cheers for your contributions, McCann as well. It's been strange. I've been in the, the presenter's seat. Um, the the tables the tables turned temporarily for this episode, McCann. But next time round, uh, I'll let you take take the reins once again and lead us through the. I'll, I'll try and do a little more research. <laughs> the wild, the wild ways of Scottish football. Ah, it was fine. See when you texted me, I was like, I, I was like, I do accept this call of duty. I stood up and uh, hopefully the listeners have enjoyed it. It has been a whirlwind tour of the the pantomime that has been Scottish football over the last three months, essentially, and uh, an intriguing look ahead with less than a month to go before. Um, Scottish football as well and truly back so thanks for your time guys and thank you to the listener goodbye thank you